where I go, people secretly and sometimes openly want to know how I can afford to travel year-round. While I've spent over a decade traveling, I'm not even at the halfway point of seeing all 195 countries. However, there are quite a bit of people who have visited every country in the world. I plan to talk to all of them, asking them the sacrifices they've made to see every country, what were their favorites and least favorites, their craziest experiences, tips on how we can travel more, and yes, how they can afford to travel nonstop. I'm Kevin Liu, the host of the Pick My Adventure show, and I'm glad you're ready to hear what it takes to be one of the world's most traveled. Welcome Romaine Welds to the show today. Romaine, thank you very much for joining us. Romaine is the first Caribbean and Jamaican man to travel to every country in the world and possibly the first black man as well. That's a little bit debatable, but uh, Romaine, quite an accomplishment. And I just want to say that I read your story in SFGate and I was excited because I'm from San Francisco and I thought, hey, there's another traveler here in the area and you did it in a very unique way, which is you actually have a full-time day job. Most everybody that I talk to, they are nomads, a little bit on the hippie side, you know, and they're doing something in a way that they're trying to parlay their travels into a career. Uh, you are doing this in a way where you work full-time, uh, supposedly more than 40 hours a week, right? And right. then you went to do this in your spare time, and you did this over the course of uh, 14 years, correct? 14, 15 years, yes. Yeah, so tell me, how did this uh, mission get started that you wanted to see every country in the world? Well, first of all, it's all started by curiosity of seeing the world and what's out there. Um, so basically, I wanted to see everything that I saw on National Geographical Channel, all those beautiful, exotic places. And so once I landed my job at United, I like you know started traveling with like, this place, that place, and then once I come back home, it's like I can't get enough, so I keep on traveling more and more. Eventually, I've been to like a hundred country. I'm like, okay, why not finish it up? Because I made the offer there, so that's where it pretty much started. Out of curiosity. So, have you always displayed this curiosity since childhood? Have you have maybe an addict personality where you're like, hey, I want to start something and I want to do do this all. Uh, no, because I grew up in Jamaica and uh, I have no idea I would be seeing the world. I have, I mean, I dreamt of seeing the world, but I mean, like most kids in like Africa and those third world countries, you only can dream. We never know that one day it will be accomplished. So you always start from a little dream and then one day, once you have the opportunity, you just use it. Yeah. Yeah. So along the way, uh, you've worked a grueling pace at United. Uh, you work as a lead ramp um, technician at United. What, what does that mean, first of all? Actually, it's a lead ramp agent. So basically what that means is um, once the aircraft touch the ground and pull up to the gate, um, I'm assigned to park the aircraft and also offload the bags, load the bags up, uh, send the aircraft back up. So it's a pretty easy job. So how did you make this happen that you could take enough time off working a 40-hour-a-week job and be able to travel like you did over the past few years? So basically, I'm assigned to a five-days-a-week shift. And basically, what I do, I double those days. So I work five doubles, sometimes six, seven doubles back-to-back. -back. And then my shift, in return, I trade those shifts off so I could travel. So sometimes I have like three, two weeks, sometime maybe even a month closely to travel. And aren't you exhausted <laughs> after working 16-hour days and then going straight exhausted. on a trip? It's pretty exhausting. That's why I don't call my trip vacation. I call them <laughs> trips because it's not a vacation. I don't go relax. Yeah, so how do you do it? A lot of coffee or do you just not need a lot of sleep? It's that adrenaline to see the world that keep you going or keep me going, so... I'm always excited, you know, getting on a plane to see the next adventure. But yeah, I'm exhausted. I mean, I get jet lag all the time. <laughs> so normally I use like a day or two just to recuperate when I get back home. So I don't like, you know, die from exhaustion. Sure. 
So can yeah. I ask, this is everyone's favorite question for travelers. What is your favorite country? And I know it's a difficult <laughs> question to answer. It is a difficult one. <laughs> but tell me some, about some of the, your favorite countries. And if you do have a favorite country, what, what would that country be? Well, I would say Brazil. I mean, the vibes, uh, the people, the culture, the food is similar to Jamaica. And we have that, you know, like brother, sister country. And even the colors and the flags are similar to Jamaica. So I like Brazil. I like, and there's so much there to explore. Brazil is a vast country in South America. So, I mean, I really um, visit all the country. So I want to go back again. I've been there like five, six times. And I still can't get, get, get enough. So, so what yeah. is it? What is it about the countries that you visit? Like, what do you look for in, in what exactly do you enjoy? Is it the people, the, the culture, the nightlife, the food, the beaches, the cities? Is, is there a particular joy <laughs> that you have in every city country? I normally go for the landscape, the unusual stuff. The people's always the, the extra and, you know, the food. But normally I go for the landscape and the people. Yeah. And how are you able to do this? I know that there's a lot of uh, misconceived notions about traveling being expensive. And sure, it can be expensive. I know for, for you as a United employee, you get to travel for or fly for free as long as there's an available seat. Correct. But Stand by. I, I have told people many times before that it's really not that expensive. It doesn't have to be as expensive. How have you been able to budget your money to be able to see some of these countries that some people have never even heard of and are very remote and maybe you have to take two or three planes to get to so apart from the ticket which is can be the most expensive part of the trip the next part be accommodation so if you do like fancy hotel five-star hotel that's a lot of money so most of my travel for like 10 15 years i've been just um hostile and that shaved a lot of my expense down and then the rest is food, and food can be cheap. I mean, so the next part is uh, going like on tours or paying for a rental car for a couple of days. That's where the other expense comes up. But for the most part, I shape it down really low. Yeah. What are some good travel hacks out there besides hostels uh, just to save money here in the Bay Area, which can be very yeah. expensive? Uh, but even while you're traveling, what are some of the, the, the travel hacks that you've kept to, to, to be under budget? So when you go to hostel, uh, it's best to like group up to do other group trips. So that save a lot, even on transportation, um, tours. It's best to have a friend or group up with other people in hostel to shave down some of those costs. Um, what else? I think that's one of the major things because, you know, if you go, if you rent a car, it's two or three people, then you can shave down the cost of that car per day. So it's good to go in groups or find a friend or, you know, share the trip. And how yeah. often are you able to travel with friends? Is it mostly solo? What percentage <laughs> are you are you traveling with people? It's not been mostly solo, but now, now and then I travel with other people. Yeah. So because... Because you traveled so much and so frequently over the last 14, 15 years, have you had much of a life at all in San Francisco or in the Bay Area? Because you don't no. have any downtime here. You're spending it all internationally. Exactly. I spend most of the time out of the country. I mean, even for my birthday, I don't stay here for my birthday. I go somewhere for my birthday. So it's literally work here, work and sleep here, and then I go travel somewhere else. Wow. Uh, so what are some of the what so how about so I asked you about your favorite country which was Brazil probably if you had to if you had to have one yeah. what about some of your least favorite countries and and why uh Nauru um it's just a small country not much there to um offer in, in attraction or anything else and it's basically why I don't like it because they use um Australia used that country or island Pacific island as a detention center for immigrants from uh Yemen Afghanistan, all those, you know, countries that are trying to get to Australia. So it's a bad reputation for the, the country, and there's not much here to offer. So I wouldn't go back there, to be honest. How many days did you have there? I think three days. But three it was days. basically on the flight schedule because the flights, you know, where I was going, is the next three days before I can fly out. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. So are there... Have you had some difficult situations as a black man? 
Has uh, it been difficult for you in certain countries? Have you experienced any type of racism? As a black man traveling, no. I actually haven't experienced racism anywhere except in the U.S., actually. Uh, for the most part, in China, I'm like a celebrity. You go to Kazakhstan, celebrity. So for the most part, I mean, if you're a good person, a good citizen, I mean, you're welcome in most countries. Um, I haven't faced racism anywhere else. Yeah. So. Is isn't that a shame that in the United <laughs> States, where we have some of the best diversity in the world, Very, that we the have most the diverse most country racism. in the world? It's the most diverse country in the world because the and world is here. Yeah, we have such a, a fractured country these days. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, a lot of opportunity, of course. Opportunity, um, big time. So, would you have you came from Jamaica when you were twenty-one years old to the United States? Do you think you would have had this kind of opportunity if you were still in Jamaica? Zero. No, not at all. Not in a million years. But there has been some benefits of having a dual citizenship, having a Jamaican yes. passport, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, big time. So, um, you know, United States passport, you can't get into some country like, say, uh, Venezuela, um, Iran. I mean, you can get into Iran, but you need a guide, mandatory guide. And um, some other country, I don't remember off my head right now. But the thing about having two passports, Jamaican and a U.S. passport, is that I can go into some country like, say, North Korea under my Jamaican passport and have less uh, worry. And say, Venezuela, I didn't need a visa to go to Venezuela. Um, Yemen was okay. Um, where else? Russia, I don't need visa anymore. So there's a great advantage of having two passports. Especially yeah. Jamaican passports sometimes. Sure. Uh, so I know a lot of countries do a reciprocal visa fee because we charge $160 visa fee. Yes. So so with, a lot of times with Jamaica, I think you can, with your Jamaican passport, you can get bypass that, right? Yes. Like um, it was uh, Argentina and I think Chile at the time. Yeah. I didn't need a visa. It's and my do, Jamaican. And do you go back to Jamaica at all ever? I used to go back a lot in the previous couple of years, but um, now it's just once in a while. Sure. Yeah. Is there anything that you miss about your time in Jamaica? Uh, the food, the fresh ocean breeze. Yeah, still remember those. Sure. Uh, I went to Jamaica. I probably went for about a week. Uh -huh. I enjoyed it, except I feel like, uh, I don't know if this is experience is exclusive just for tourists, but uh -huh. it was hard to be on the beach because you can't really relax without somebody trying to sell you marijuana. And, you know, like you're trying to fall asleep, <laughs> and then every every two minutes you hear someone say, hey, man, you want some pot? And I don't know if it's the same thing for locals, but that was my experience in Jamaica. You got your personal, you got your personal drug dealer. No, it's, yeah, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation, but yeah. It's everywhere in Jamaica on the beach. These guys come and hustle you for, you know, say, hey, you do you want marijuana and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a sad situation. It happened all over Jamaica on the beach. I see. So when you are traveling and being black, when you're in a country that doesn't see very many black people, have you, what kind of questions might you get? I remember I have had a friend who was in South Korea. She was teaching English. Uh -huh. And she would have the little kids would come up to her and say, hey, can we touch your skin? <laughs> and they would want to take pictures with her. And uh -huh. this was like not this was further away from Seoul, but that was her uh -huh. experience there. And I don't know if you've had these experiences when you have traveled to different countries. Um, in China, um, they grabbed me to take picture. Wow. <laughs> I'm tossed around like a teddy bear, you know, like, hey, come <laughs> take a picture. And it's not like they even asked me, they just grabbed me. Says, Hey, wow. come take a picture with me. Come take a picture with that person. Yeah. But in Kazakhstan, we went like a eight-hour drive out of Almaty, the capital. And me and my friend was out there um, visiting these um, ruins. And we went to this small town. I guess they haven't seen black people in person. So we were walking around and we went to this bus stop. And this kid and his mom was there. And uh, the kid ran up to me and beat me on the hand. And said, Mommy, Mommy, chocolate man. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? I mean, the kid thought I was a chocolate man. He beat me on the head. <laughs> <laughs> and do, it, that kind of stuff, does it make, do you get offended at all? Or, or, no, or are you, no. Let's, no. I, I mean, people are curious. I mean, I get it. And in that town, people are coming out of their houses, business. I thought they saw, they saw an alien because they, they haven't seen a black man in person. 
So they're like sure. coming out, staring at me. I feel like I was like an alien. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I've had situations where being in other countries, just being Asian, and I and my background is Chinese, but sometimes you hear people trying to sell you stuff, and they're like, hey, konnichiwa, or, you know, they, they just group everyone together, right? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they'll say ni hao to try to, you know, get my attention, and ni hao is actually yeah. correct for, for Mandarin, but um, the, the fact that they think that they can call out something and just make a huge generalization, I don't get offended. Uh, sometimes no, I'll sometimes... Sometimes just trying to make friends, just trying to use the language they 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 know. So it's not. I mean, as long as you don't call it like uh, the N word or something offensive. Most of the time, yeah. we're just trying to make friends or try to you know get your attention. So I don't get offended at all. That's not good. At all. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? I after it seems like you are very goal oriented, especially with travel. What else do you want to accomplish in the travel world? And after you finished every country, uh, I guess this is another question. Another question. Let's uh -huh. start with that one. Actually, after you finished every country, what was that feeling like once you got to your last country, which I believe was uh, Antigua, Barbuda. There you go. Yes. What did it feel like? Oh man, you know when you graduated from from college that last day? That's what it felt like. It just feels like that that heavy shoulder just like, you know, just relax. That burden you know, like gone away. That's the same feeling I have. It's like I don't have to worry about this anymore. It's just it's done. So it was a huge relief. You know, no more pressure, no more, you know, Thinking about going here, no more visa, not that stress. It was like, yes, it's accomplished, it's done. Now I can just relax. So yeah, so, it was like, it was that like that that moment? Yeah. So towards the end, did it start to feel like a lot of pressure? Like I only have a few more countries to go. I need to go here. You know, and you're planning to get to these probably these countries that you you never expected you were going to travel to. But uh -huh. also, they're probably not very easy countries to get to. Did you feel this? Like, at what point did you start to feel the pressure? Like, uh, I need to finish this. Uh, it wasn't any pressure. It was just more like I could see the light. It was almost there. The end of the tunnel is right there. So it's like, as it get closer and closer, it's like, wow, I'm almost there. I can't believe it. It's just a few more countries. It's just getting closer and closer. So... Yeah, it was like seeing that light getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And how yeah. did you celebrate once you got to that <laughs> final country? Oh man, I I walked to a custom and I they said, "Hey, you know, the meter is outside waiting for you," which I I was nervous because <laughs> I didn't know what the meter was going to ask me. So I was very nervous. So anyway, I was like, you know, this is the moment. First Jamaican, first Caribbean, stepping to custom in a Caribbean country. This is huge. So I have to represent these people. So I step outside and I, you know, had a big Jamaican flag, official, official Jamaican flag, that um, um, Dr. Dr. Onika Campbell, the representative um, Jamaica Embassy, gave me. And I waved that flag once I, that door opened up. I waved that flag in enjoy. It was such a it was such a uh, incredible moment. And then uh, my friends, my family was just right there waiting for me. So it was an incredible moment. So your fl your friends flew in from Jamaica and from the states to meet you there? No, no one from Jamaica because of the old visa thing with America and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But there was friends in Miami. Mm -hmm. Friends from over the states, um, friends from Denmark. Oh, nice. So, and yeah. How did you get the word out that this was your final country? How did the media know that you were going to be there? Had you been, <laughs> had you let people know beforehand, like, hey, I'm getting close to that point? Yes. So, um, my friends, I let them know, and I invited a couple of friends who could make it. And also, I was in touch with the Antigua and Barbuda Tourism Board, and they recommend um, the Jamaica consulate that was there in Antigua. And yeah, I invited her over, and she invited me over. 
Did you ever, I'd imagine you didn't do this to become famous. You probably would have done this regardless, right? So what is that fame, that little bit of fame that's come with it? Because like I saw you in SFGate, I read the Hemisphere, the United Magazine article as well. I'm sure Uh there's a lot of other articles. Has it, uh, what is the amount of of this little bit of fame? How has that made you feel? Is that something that's an added bonus or you don't really enjoy it too much? It's like popping a champagne at a wedding. You know, it's just it's just that celebration that you know that moment of hard work, and then you finally get to that end, the end of it. It was a nice moment to celebrate. So yeah, it was it was icing on the cake. You know, after all that years, you know, the challenges as a Jamaican, uh, the background I had to accomplish such a feat. Uh, I mean, it's huge. So it was yes. a moment worth celebrating. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. I I always tell people that I'm probably the most traveled amongst my friends, and I'm only at 94 mm-hmm. countries. And I tell people I'm not even halfway done with seeing all the countries, and I've been traveling right. for almost 15 years. Right. Uh, I work remotely, which helps, but at the same time, I do spend a few weeks in every country. And a lot uh-huh. of countries I, I've just returned to more and more, but it is a daunting task to go to every country. You know, the visa process, some of these countries are just remote islands that aren't easy to get to. What were some of the most difficult countries for you to get to? So, yeah, just back up a little bit. So, yeah, okay. I mean, to go to every country is a challenge, and I think it's a new trend going on right now because a lot of people think, Going to the country is a, a huge accomplishment for most people in their life now. So a lot of people are doing that goal to go to every country. But yeah, um, I didn't really have any difficult country apart from, I would say, um, uh, Eritrea. And it's only because it was COVID. And mm-hmm. because of COVID, it took me a year to get a visa. But for the most part, like the most difficult country actually was easy. Like, um, Yemen was easy. Afghanistan was easy. Uh, Libya, which was one of the only grail of our country to go to, was easy because I got my visa like 10 minutes. Wow. 10 minutes, which was like almost a record for the guy who organized it. Yeah. Nobody get a visa that easy for Libya. Libya is the only grail. And then Saudi Arabia, which eventually started to have e visa and visa and arrival. So I was lucky that geopolitics was changing and country was changing the visa policy so eventually things got easier over the years so i haven't had any difficulties that's great to hear so were there any times during your travels where you felt in danger where you felt scared yes yes um i was in magadishu i think uh 2021 and we're in traffic and uh, the driver said, you know, the guys, they sniff a bomb. They have like a, de- a vehicle that can detect bomb. So they said it did take a bomb. So we need to get out of here. And I think it was in 20, uh, 1996 or something like that. There was a, a huge bomb that went off in Magadish, killed over a thousand people. So while in the traffic, I, that was going through my mind. I was like, geez, if this thing go off, I'm dead. Despite I'm in a bulletproof car, that doesn't do it much for a bomb. So yeah, eventually police trying to clear the traffic because we're in traffic and traffic is horrible in Megadushu. So you try to clear traffic and we can't go anywhere. And there's a bomb that's going to go off because it, the vehicle detect the bomb. So I'm panicking. The police saw the fire shot in the sky, you know, to get the crowd moving. I'm like, this is it because there's nowhere to go. But eventually, you know, in a few minutes, we get out of there. And I was like, yeah, this was pretty close. Sure. Yeah. Have you... So I also get this question a lot as well. And I think as Americans, <laughs> we have this these preconceived notions of other countries. I think anytime <laughs> I go to Colombia or I go to Mexico, people just think, oh, the drug dealers. They're like, is it safe? And I always... Yeah. I actually tell people, I say, the United States is the most dangerous place I've ever been. The worst thing that have ever happened to me 
all happen in the United <laughs> States. Nothing ever happens on, on travels. Uh, it's just so much safer. But my question is, uh, how have you, you have you had a situation where somebody has tried to mug you or you've gotten something stolen? Because that's, I think, most people's concerns. There's always worried about muggings, right? They they put something around their waist so they could hide their wallets or, you know, they, oh, you know, that's their main concern, I think, when traveling. And has uh -huh. that happened to you? Have you taken any precautions that you can give tips to potential travelers out there? Okay, so let me uh, switch one to answer first. So, yes, I, need, I hadn't been mugged on point or any of those but yes i've been robbed not first on person but in my car so basically i rented a car and i parked it it was in uh, otovala ecuador and i left the stuff in the trunk and they broke into the car and stole all my stuff mm. at this time i was an american citizen yet so i was on a green card and it was a mess to get back into the country uh. given that i was still working <laughs> So all my passport, credit card, documents stolen. And I didn't speak Spanish. There was a big, big mess. So that was the only incident I have while traveling. And it was a huge thing because I was so stressful that when I get back to the States, I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't work for a couple of months because I have to get all these documents back again in order mm -hmm. to work. So it was a huge mess. And it... I told myself, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm going to be stronger than this. So that happened in 2012. And then ever since 2012, I've been pushing that travel boundary, going to more country and more country than ever before. And eventually I get over that sadness yeah. and sorrow. Mm -hmm. But it was a tough one. The tough one. Um, precaution. I would always recommend people to have one of those money belts or... Um, yeah, the one that you can keep under your clothes because you always want to have your passport on you and not in your luggage at all time. And maybe put in a plastic bag so it never get wet because a wet passport is not a good passport. So always put your passport into like one of those zipper bags, a waterproof bag, and share it on you because you always need your passport. And I recommend that you email a copy of your, uh, your picture page of your passport to yourself. At least that could help you as a backup should like it helped me when my passport was stolen because I had no no identification. The one on my email was the one that I used and it helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's also, true. So one thing that you were talking about about having everything stolen in your car from the trunk, I think having lived in San Francisco it has prepared me well for that. So like even yesterday when I was meeting up with my friends in San Francisco, I took my laptop out of my bag of the trunk. I took out my sunglasses, put it on my shirt, even though I didn't need it, because I know that cars get broken into all the time in this area. So I do the same thing when I'm traveling. I never leave anything in the car. Um, if I do, like even like a, a fast food bag, I'm not leaving that bag in there. I'm going to throw it away because I don't want to give anyone a the idea that there might be something in this car. Right. Um, so talking about some of your more positive experiences, what are some of your best memories while traveling? For instance, you said Brazil was your favorite country, but what are some of uh -huh. your best memories that you've had traveling? Oh, geez. Oh. And I know that's hard. After 195 <laughs> countries and countless adventures. Um, I will say, okay, let's, let me use this one. I would say um, when I was in uh, South Sudan, uh, it was a coincidence, and I slept with the um, Mundabi tribe people in their tent. And it was a high opener for me because these people are nomadic people, so they don't have much. They just like build makeshift tent as they go along with their cows. And they build this makeshift tent, you know, which is just a top hole and just woods. And I, I slept with the kids one night because I couldn't get back to my fancy tent. And they put me on their personal bed. Like, they gave me the bed, and the guy went to sleep somewhere else. And <laughs> all the kids, there were like five, ten boys, I think, 
So they had like a fire in the middle of the tent and all the boys slept around the fire on the ground. I was, I was, I don't know what to explain it, but I was like, wow, these people literally have nothing. And they're just sleeping on the ground covered in dirt and hash, but mostly hash because the hash up against the mosquitoes, insects, and keep them warm. And these kids with the, some of the goats and sheep, you know, all sleeping together. And I was like, wow. And we talk about comfortable beds and all this kind of bed in the Western world. I mean, you know, we have all this heated bed. We have all this cushion bed. And then these people just literally sleep on the ground. Literally. And they were comfortable. I mean, that was their life. And I could never forget this moment that people living this way. You know, one thing that I, it's it's so amazing how generous people are when you're traveling, especially when they don't yeah. come from much. But one thing that I've noticed when I'm talking to the other interview subjects who've traveled to every country in the world, their favorite moments are, are similar moments to yours. It's like these little moments that make them aware of how good they have their own life. It's never yeah. like bottle service at, you know, a club in Miami or you know, skydiving somewhere. It's these little moments. Would you yeah. say that your travels have changed who you are uh, as a person? I, obviously, it sounds that way. But uh, how how has your life changed since you've traveled the world? It, just the way that you view the world and, and how your uh -huh. life is now. Oh, man, I'm getting emotional now. But yeah, um, yeah, travel definitely changed you. I mean... If you if you haven't changed you you you're not learning anything. I mean, there's so much out there. I mean, you see people that have nothing, and yet they gave it the world. So, yeah, I mean, it changed me. It changed me to appreciate you know the people around you, you know, different religion, especially now with Israel and uh, Gaza. I mean, people are different. You need to accept that and be uh, empathy to other people because you know we're all human beings at the end of the day living on one planet so yeah you have changed me and i'm not sure because coming from jamaica more people are open up to me as a jamaican compared to if i was american but yeah people are always welcome to, to me when i travel yes what do you hope to accomplish uh, now that you've seen every country? You're still traveling, right? Are you still working these double shifts? I like right now to all the <laughs> listeners and viewers. You're at work right now. Is this a double shift? Yes, a double shift. <laughs> so uh, Romain is doing this interview right now during one of his breaks, and uh -huh. we do actually have a hard hour cutoff. So I know that I still got maybe about fifteen minutes to go here, but. You're still pulling off these shifts and you're still traveling just as much as you were before, right? Well, what are your yeah. travel goals now? So now I'm on to a festival and hopefully I want to do tribes and um, continue with the bucket list. I mean, travel never really ends for a traveler. It's continue. I mean, there's so much in this world to see. That I think I'll take a, it would take me a lifetime to see, maybe two lifetimes to see everything yes. that I really want to see. Sure. Plus, plus working full-time, so yeah, it's a long way. Uh, my last interview was uh, with a guy named Gunnar Garfors. I know Gunnar. I know Gunnar. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> actually great... met him in Armenia. What's that? I actually met him in Armenia. Oh, what the travel the Traveler's Convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy, and he's actually currently uh, traveling out in South America, but, you know, he went to every country <laughs> twice, you know, and... <laughs> Maybe a third time will be out there for him, but travelers never stop traveling. It's very never true. Stop traveling. It's addiction. It's addiction that nobody want to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. So how you've probably sacrificed a lot. Like we talked about earlier about you not having much of a life in the Bay Area because you're spending all your spare time in traveling. Have you right. sacrificed marriage, uh, girlfriend, kids? to be able to accomplish this addiction or you continue to satisfy this addiction? And is this something that you're going to continue forever? Yeah, I've sacrificed relationship because um, 
prefer actually kids to be honest because i don't know how to do it with kids and traveling at the time to accomplish every country most people can do because they have the family you know help and background and stuff like that but for me being the only person here in my family in san francisco i couldn't do a, a, a relationship with kids and travel so yeah i sacrificed having kids before i finish do you hope to have kids in the future yeah i hope after now yeah now it's, it is manageable I see. Now that you've seen every country, that's the main yeah. goal, right? So going yeah. to festivals that you, you talked about now, what kind of festivals are you talking about? So actually, I've been to like five festivals this year already, I think. Yeah. So like coming up, I'm doing doing like the Day of the Dead in Mexico. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was in in the summer, August, I was doing um, the Tomato Festival in Italy. Yeah, yes. Italy and then um those type of festivals yeah yeah the traditional ones sure not like uh, not like EDM music festivals no <laughs> no I yeah. like those traditional festivals sure so celebrated yeah I see so is there yeah. also is there something that you want to do career-wise now that you've seen every country would you like to continue working at United in the for the foreseeable future or is there something that you would like to do with travel as a career i think i stay here um the benefits is great which can you know used for my family and friends so it's a great place to work and there's different department to step up if i need to step up or move into so it's a great place to work no that's good so i think i think i'm comfortable here do you have any uh pet peeves of travelers while working at united um yeah i think one guy called me uh mr worldwide <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they call pitbull that too <laughs> yeah I, I think i think that's where i get it from because he's cuban too ah uh, yeah <laughs> so yeah. around around the workplace you get teased a lot it sounds like uh yeah do, do you have to talk about this all the time now like going to every country is that like always the break room talk now is, is that no or? it's like the conversation starter is like we're next we're, we're next. next or sure. where have you been yes <laughs> do, do you get tired of talking about it no no yeah. i just like to update people because people sure. are curious people yes. want to know and a lot of people don't travel so you're like the travel reporter to them ah true so, so i like to keep people updated it's very true. I think one of my goals with traveling, I'm very active in showing my stories, uh, the whole journey, not just the destination, the highlights. I like to show them the car ride mm -hmm. from the airport to the hotel, the chaos of the streets, the food. <laughs> but because I want people to know it's not dangerous and it can be affordable. A lot of times I'll even put the prices of the uh -huh. hotel or wherever I'm staying at, the prices of the food, the taxi ride, whatever, just to let people know it doesn't have to be cost restrictive. But sometimes people are just lazy, to be honest. Because yeah. when I started traveling, I did, I mean, I think um, I was on a, I was on a limited plan of data at the time. I used, to, I used to overdo my data plan all the time because I do so much research do you research you find stuff you'd always have to do your research yeah sure so how about going back to the pet peeves question do you have uh -huh. pet peeves of travelers when you're traveling is there anything uh -huh. that 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 bothers you no nothing really bothers me when i travel i mean That's apart from turbulence i don't like turbulence yeah I, I, I read about how your first trip coming from Jamaica to the United States, there was some engine troubles. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's for Very me, scary. I have... What's that? Very scary as my first flight. Yeah, sure. Uh, for me, I do have some pet peeves when I, I'm traveling, and that's when the plane, before it even uh -huh. stops, and people uh -huh. get up and they're trying to like rush to the front. Or... Oh. You know how, like, when, you, when you're on a plane, 
you let the row in front of you go and then the next row goes and the next row goes and sometimes as you're coming off like people are just rushing through and it's like just let the people in front of us go you know like it, there's just that's one of my one of my pet peeves i think when people travel they literally leave their brain at home yeah they become like a, a kid so yeah. you have to guide them i mean even at work you have to guide people because you know some of them are it's first time traveling yes and they literally true. have no idea what's going on so and you know people that when you start to, when it's time to board they rush onto the plane yes. and the plane as the plane touched the ground literally touched the ground people yeah. get in their bags out of the bin right right <laughs> you're right it normally is new travelers so if i yeah if i had especially yes and it's not a stereotype either but normally it's in the middle east and those you know all uh, right those third world countries, I wouldn't say third world country, but people they're in those countries that people don't really travel a lot. So yes. they're not accustomed to say, hey, you know, the plane's going to park, you're going to get your time to take out your bags and, you know, to have your time. No, as the plane touched down, they're going for their bags. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and they, they're, want, they're... they want to get off the plane immediately too. They're in a rush, yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, my first few times in China. In China, years before the Olympics was there, uh-huh. everyone rushes in during the lines when they're in the line they there's no line they they essentially just rush <laughs> to the front and i told my dad uh-huh. this and I, just how annoyed i was because i'd be waiting in line and then someone would would cut uh-huh. and he says you have to remember that china was a communist country so things were rationed if you didn't get to the front of the line you didn't get food and that's just how they were that's how ingrained in them. They had to get to the front of the line. If it's, the, if it's waiting for the train, they're just mm-hmm. rushing to the front. They're not waiting in, in any kind of line because there's no guarantees that you're going to get in or that you're going to get any kind of ration of food. So I said, oh, that's good perspective to know. Uh, yeah. Made me you know, appreciate like, hey, everyone doesn't have the same customs and norms as the United States that we're, we're familiar with. And you got to calm down a little bit. You know, don't get and so that's angry. why when you travel, you learn all the different stuff, the different customs, yes. all this stuff. But I think China is about survival. The, 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 the custom there is survival. Yes. If you're not moving, you're getting run over. Mm-hmm. People there are moving. Sure. So you better keep up with the line. Otherwise, you're getting run over. You go on the train, you better get on the train. Otherwise, you're going to get pushed. Yes. So everywhere in China is about moving. You have mm-hmm. to move. That's what I learned when I was there. Sure. You move and you keep up. What have you used uh, in your own life, adapted? Are there any kind of cultural norms that you've adapted, learned, that you've learned from other countries? Uh, not really. I would, I, I'm trying I'll, to dig in, but I'll give you some examples. Maybe it'll jog your memory. So yeah. for for me, uh, I have I start to a lot of my female friends. I'll, I'll kiss them on the cheek, or you know, cheek to cheek, like kiss, because right. that happens so much in South America and in you know places in Europe as well. That I do that here sometimes in the states, and they are taken aback at first because they're they're not used to it. Right. Americans don't do that. But I, right. I've just learned that it's just such a, a nice way to like say hi to people that, you know, they've gotten used to it and they, they kind of reciprocate now. But at first it was like, oh, you know, like it's not. <laughs> yeah. But but, you know, I, I think it's a it's a sweet thing. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's one example, I would say. Well, I think I did an American one, the fake smile. Yeah. <laughs> yes, true. I think that's true. what I picked up. <laughs> but yeah, as a Jamaican, they really just smile a lot. And then once you come here, everybody's like, smile at you, like. <laughs> Why are you smiling at me? Right. Why are you smiling? Yeah. So I pick up the American one. Yeah. Definitely. I'd yeah. say in Eastern Europe, if you're walking around smiling, people are like, they don't smile yeah. back. You know, no, it's. No. Yes. The Russians don't do that either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most of my Russian friends here, they, they, were, they said they don't understand why people say, how are you doing? Why are they smiling when they don't want to know? And I said, well, yeah. it's just to promote positivity for, for the morning. And if you go with it, you'll realize it's actually kind of pleasant, you know? Yeah. But even... But some... yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, even when I get into my building elevator and I say hi to people, mm-hmm. I would say maybe 20% don't say hi back to me. And it it kind of it kind of ruins my mood because at first I'm like, hey, 
hi i'm not and i'm not asking yeah. how are you i just say hi and sometimes they look at me and then just look away <laughs> and it makes me want to say like i want to take that high back okay you know like i i think people hear a little bit more in their own bubbles like when you go to like other country everybody is a social community yes you know like in africa people in the past each other without saying hi or do the some fist or whatever oh, greetings right. you know but here i mean people like you you stay your your corner i stay my corner you mind your business i mind my business yes well i mean we're still polite here in america anyways yeah just still do the smile or whatever sure <laughs> okay so let me ask this because i am a proud bay area resident i believe that the uh -huh. san francisco bay area is the best region in the world because you have Napa, Sonoma, you have Tahoe, Carmel, you have the diversity of the city, you have diversity of food, so and the climate. I think we it yeah. makes us one of the best larger regions. So when you are here in the Bay Area, what do you like to do, and what are, what are your favorite places? Ah, uh, okay, I agree with you one hundred percent that the Bay Area is one of the best places in the U.S. and okay. that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. I can't leave because I don't like cold. <laughs> yes and then the closest place is florida and houston and then they have their own hurricane like jamaica which i don't like hurricane either mm -hmm. so here you know, one thing we had is the uh, earthquake which we don't have often so it's good to be here the weather is nice if you get too hot we got the the natural ac which is the ocean cool us out pretty quick um Talking about the ocean, that's one of my favorite places. And I have downtime. I like to go to Ocean Beach or to the ocean and just, you know, get some fresh ocean breeze. Fly my drone over there sometime, you know. Um, yeah, just chill out the ocean. I mean, many people don't get to see the ocean. We're lucky here in the Bay Area to have that access to the wide Pacific Ocean. So, sure. Yeah. That's good to hear. Nice place to be. Yeah. And earlier you had talked about uh, you knew Gunner from the Armenian yes. Extreme Travelers Conference. When you go to those conferences, what, what exactly do you hope to get out of it? Do you just enjoy talking to other travelers? Are you trying to learn something? So the ETF, the, uh, the festival, the first time it happened. And that was the first time I met Gunner in person. But I know Gunner before in the, in the travel community. Um, so that festival, yes, it was a... It's a way to uh, meet people that we know before, but we haven't actually met in person. So it's like a travel meetup, a big travel family meetup. So, you know, it's a great thing to have. And it was really uh, enjoyable to meet all these travelers that you know for years and have met in person. So we just talk, have food, have a good week, a couple of days. So, yeah, it was a good socialization for travelers. And you know that Gunnar met his girlfriend from that conference, right? That's what I'm get, getting to understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that's incredible because I don't know if you have, you, you said before you sacrificed relationships in order to accomplish this goal of traveling. Uh -huh. And it's hard, you know, because I, I spend about seven months of the year traveling and it's hard uh -huh. to have a relationship because you're always on the road. And I thought, right. wow, what a perfect situation for you, Gunnar, that you found somebody who could travel with you wherever you uh -huh. go. And is that a hope of yours? What would be the ideal woman for you? And if she couldn't travel, would you stop traveling? I think travel have to be there. Yes. Because, I mean, how can you not want to see the world? I mean, I, have, I know people that have, they're partnered of traveling, but you have to be able to travel. I think that's one of, I mean, I think most travelers like to have a travel companion. Sure. So, yeah, I think travel have to be part of it. What if they only have two, three weeks vacation a year? <laughs> Is... that, that, that works as long as you have the, the uh, mentality or willingness to travel, then, yeah, it's fine. Sure. Good. Well, I, I know that uh, we have two minutes until this this hard stop. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add uh, about your travels? Any any good memories? Any any suggestions or tips? Uh, I know you talked a little bit about some budgetary tips. Mm -hmm. Anything uh -huh. else you you can think of? Uh, travel tips. Um, jeez. Um, I mean, just do your research. Um, Everywhere you go is not the same like home, you know. So 
do research on where you're going, plan ahead, you know, be vigilant. Um, don't be like a lost chick in a foreign country. Um, sure. It's good to always travel with other people just in case something happened. Um, what else? Just be careful. Yeah. And if yeah. we see you at the airport in, in San Francisco, uh, where <laughs> will you normally be? I'm normally in the F terminal. F terminal. Okay. Good yeah. to know. Uh, have you had By anybody come up to you at the airport and say, hey, you're Mr. Worldwide? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think most of the people who actually came to me actually know me before. Yes. Sure. And they arranged to meet me there. Yes. Yeah. Like I have one guy from Newark. Newark actually flew over to meet me. I think that was a time when um, I was featured in Hemisphere magazine. He flew over to get an autograph. <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, so for the, so sure. for the most part, it's people who I've known and want to meet me. Yes. Well, Romain, I appreciate you for taking the time during your break. And I know that you have to get back to work. And we can follow your travelers, travels at <laughs> Traveling the World with Romain on Instagram. Correct? Yeah. Uh, any any place else that you're documenting your travels? Um. I haven't officially do the old YouTube yet, but it's just basically um, Instagram and my Facebook. Okay, great. Well, we yeah. can see more of your travels there, and I'm excited that there's a worldly traveler here in San Francisco, and there's a small community, you told me too. So, Oh, yeah, there's a small community here. Yeah, hopefully we can get together and uh, at a time where everyone's not traveling, which would probably be very rare, but it'll be nice to kind of, uh, meet up at some point uh, and yes. talk about traveling. Yeah, we're overdue for a San Francisco meetup, so yeah, let's uh, yes. check with Lucy and see if we can do that. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, well, thank you very much for joining us, and we will talk very soon. All right, thanks, Kevin, for having me. Remember, Bye, you can find more information about today's interview subject at pickmyadventure.com and discover more interviews. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next time on Pick My Adventure. I'm your host, Kevin Liu. You can find out more about me on Instagram at PickMyAdventureTraveler, where I let you pick my destinations and travel activities through polls. Mm -hmm.